Welcome to The Frontline, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of sales leadership. Whether you're a sales leader yourself or someone who wants to learn more about building an elite sales team, we bring you the insights and strategies from today's top sales leaders living, working, and leading from the front line. Welcome to The Frontline. I'm your host, Sean Buxton, Head of Sales Enablement at The Sales Collective. I'm excited to have as our guest today, Richard Smith, currently VP of Sales EMEA at Lego, course creator and coach for Sales Impact Academy and author of the book, Problem Prospecting. Here to share his leadership knowledge today on The Frontline. Welcome, Richard. Hey, Sean. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. Great to have you. Thanks for taking the time. What part of the world are you in? I'm in the United Kingdom, um, and I uh, yeah I live in the northern part of the the country. I'm a, a northern boy, born and bred, uh, and that's the real north. There's a lot of misconceptions around places like Manchester and Liverpool being in the north and in England, but for me they're they're, they're more west. Uh, I'm I'm from Newcastle, which is the uh, the true north. So okay, what's your favorite football team? Yeah, well it's Newcastle. I'm a I'm a season ticket holder. For Newcastle, um, yeah, I've uh, been a number of years of being an unhappy football supporter, uh, but recently it's been a lot better. So it's gotten better over the years. Okay, yeah, I started doing some work uh, probably about five years ago in the UK, and I had to get up to speed on on football and, and all that, and versus American football. And, right. And so I I know there's a lot of passion over there uh, around the teams and and uh, the history and uh, the fan base and everything. So uh, excited to have you on the session today. First question for you. We like to just jump right in. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right to it. First question for you. What first sparked your interest in uh, sales leadership? How did you get started in sales leadership? Give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I guess partly unintentional, I'd say, um, in some respects. I uh, Really, the way I got into it was through my last company that I helped co-found um, a company called Refract. We were in the conversation intelligence space and I, I kind of co-founded that company and for all intents and purposes was the kind of the sole seller in that business. But um, what was interesting is that I think that really helped me see that I did want a career in sales leadership and that was really driven by what we sold and who we sold to was that I actually saw the real benefits and value that the technology could bring to sales leaders, um, as well as salespeople, but predominantly sales leaders. And as someone who I felt that in my sales career had um, received so little or broken coaching as it was, and I was kind of looking to change that. And we were looking to change that with the product. and. Um, what was interesting is I started to see the the impact that coaching was having on myself, on the early team members that I brought into my team. And from there, it kind of really sparked this passion around helping other salespeople become better and more effective at what they do. Uh, and for me, that is, that's really kind of a big chunk of sales leadership, I, I, I think, is about leading, inspiring, developing people um and 
uh, that's really how I got into it, Sean. Um, still, you know, very much remains a, a passion of mine to this day is, is really working one-on-one with salespeople to help make them more effective, which um, is, is really a massive, uh, a massive pizza slice of the uh, sales leadership pizza. Yeah. And I noticed uh, from your book that you seem to specialize in prospecting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess that's, that is true to some extent. You know, I think when starting a, you know, a new company and a startup and really a business that wasn't blessed with having a big brand or presence and, you know, wasn't no big marketing budgets that could generate tons of inbound leads. It was really about, okay, we've got to get out there and make noise ourselves. We've got to, we've got to go outbound. And I kind of just, realized that that's how we built the business. That's how I recognized that prospecting was um, how important it was to do um, and how important it was to strive for excellence in prospecting because there's a lot of bad prospecting that happens out there. Um, And uh, yeah, I think over the years we became quite renowned as a business uh, of being big thought leaders in the world of prospecting and outbound, even though that was just one one part of the the sales cycle our own sales cycle um but yeah definitely influenced um myself and two of my uh, colleagues to write problem prospect in the book um to really extrapolate all of the knowledge best practices tips tricks that we'd learned over the years put it into like a digestible playbook for anybody who's trying to figure out prospecting in today's uh, digital world um, and uh, subsequently, we we recently launched the Problem Prospecting online program, which is made up of three kind of uh, self-paced courses as well. So, yeah, um, prospecting has always been one of those topics that I found particularly really interesting just because I saw the importance of of um, building an outbound prospecting engine when we were building Refract. Yeah, as a as a sales manager, sales leader, I often think about prospecting because it's one of the most difficult things we have to coach, right? And to get salespeople to do if they've got some extra time on their hands, they rarely default to prospecting. They'll default to almost anything else but prospecting. So when you think about challenges like that, what are some other challenges that you feel like frontline sales managers, sales leaders are facing today? And how are you overcoming those challenges? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's ever-changing, Sean. Um, I face those same challenges myself. I think, um, you know, the the constant kind of battle between um, managing the needs of the business and the strategy of the business with making sure that you're giving attention and, and uh, investing in the uh, developing the careers of your team members, I think is always a big challenge you know as as a sales leader that's involved with so many um you know executive meetings or strategy meetings and that can sometimes feel all time all consuming as well as you know you're you always got one eye on the on the pipeline and the forecast and and the deals and uh it's how do you balance that with making sure that you're carving out time to really help the individual and help them realize and achieve all of their personal personal dreams so i I'd say that's one of the, the biggest challenges that I I personally face. And I, I speaking with others, I, I see that too. Um, I think it really comes down to uh, making time prioritization. It's It sounds easier said than done. 
but I think everybody has to have a clear um, process of, of basically just making the time to focus on those areas. Because if you don't make time for anything, like if they don't have slots on your calendar or they don't form a part of your attack plan for the week, then they're never going to get that attention. So I think like anything, um, when it comes to giving things the attention they deserve, it starts with prioritization and making sure that you're actually carving time for it, which some people are a lot better, better at than others. Yeah, when you talk about prioritization and then the ability to balance and look at the the team through those two perspectives, the perspective of the business to, you know, hey, we're here to make money. We have numbers and targets to hit. And then the perspective of the person, you know, I'm dealing with individuals here and how do I make them feel yeah. engaged and part of the team? Um, you know, that's a super quality to have. What are some other qualities that come to mind when you think of like, these are table stakes for a sales leader. You got to have these qualities or these abilities to be able to lead a sales team. Yeah, I think first of all, you you have to have credibility. And I, there's a there's a big saying that you out there in sales that the, the best salespeople become the, the become sales managers, and that's not the right way to do things. And I agree with that to an extent. That being said, I think you have to have demonstrated success as a seller to become a leader, mm -hmm. because I think you've got to be someone that people look up to and say that hey, you've you've walked the walk, and if you're gonna, you know direct me on deals and pipeline and targets and everything else, then uh, there's no use doing that. Where if you're coming from a position where you haven't actually had a level of success as a, as a seller, you, you need, you need that credibility. Albeit, I don't believe that you have to be the very best salesperson to be a sales leader. Um, I think you have to have a genuine passion in, in helping people improve. You know, if you're, if your modus operandi is just simply to be what I call a dashboard manager, you'll spend your days just looking in Salesforce and looking at metrics and, you know, you, you coach by just preaching the numbers, the numbers that somebody can actually see for themselves in a dashboard, then that's a, it's a big lack. You're not, you're not lacking a leadership quality in my opinion. Um, mm. You're just, you're just managing numbers and dashboards and telling people information that they can see with their very own eyes um, you have to be able to, you, you have to dedicate time to thinking to yourself, Hey, um, every time I do a one-on-one -on -one with a seller, if that seller doesn't come away from that session, feeling like they are somewhat more effective than when, before they join that session, then it hasn't been a good use of that person's time of the seller's time. So you as a, you as a leader have to constantly be telling yourself, am I, enabling and how am i making my my team more effective and that is for me one of the big qualities and the third one which i think is uh very important is is about recruitment you know as I, I say that as someone who's definitely got it wrong over the years you know i've hired the wrong people i've made the wrong choices and i feel like i learn from those every single time and that's fine as long as you can learn from it is mm -hmm. is key um but you know, you, you have to become super, super effective at hiring and getting the right people on the bus. Got it. Got it. You know, and when you go through some of these attributes or qualities or skills, whatever we want to call them, uh, is it your belief that these things can be taught? Or is the, are these things that are inherent inherent to sales leaders? Like they just have yeah, them think, or can you teach them? I think you, I think you can teach them as long as the person is coachable like it's in the 
the sales leader, the future sales leader is coachable as in they can, you can coach their metrics. It's like coaching as a salesperson. You can teach anybody to be effective at sales, but they have to have a desire to want to learn and to embrace coaching and feedback. Otherwise, you know, there's um, if that person isn't going to embrace it, then you're not going to be able to teach them and, 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 to, and you can teach them, but it's whether they will actually embrace it and adopt it is the other is the is the factor and the same as could be said for teaching leadership skills into somebody everybody can be taught them they just have to they just have to want to learn and have to be coachable themselves yeah i agree with you i think some people are more inclined maybe have a little bit more natural ability there but i'm with you it's the same with sales as it is sales management or sales leadership if you want to right. learn you know, there's definitely best practices out there and uh, strategies that can be shared if you're willing to adopt those and take the coaching and feedback. Um, so that being said, why why isn't there more training for when you get promoted to a sales manager or a sales leader? Very few companies have any kind of sales manager specific uh, training. You know, we take our salespeople through, put our salespeople through all these boot camps and everything, make them get certified and all this stuff. And then uh, to your point earlier, you know, we promote the best salesperson or the one that has been here the longest that we're scared we're going to lose them if we don't promote them. So we promote that person uh, to maybe a frontline manager and just say, here you go, buddy. Good luck out there. Um, why is that? <laughs> uh, really interesting question that I feel like I've got lots of perspectives on. Um, the first one is that the people promoting them maybe we're never taught to be a good manager themselves. <laughs> and so you're just in this constant, constant hamster wheel of the blind leading the blind, so to speak. Um, I guess the other way, the other perspective I have on that is that um, everything will always be, I, th I think I think there's still a belief that people in some business that, that some people are just born with leadership qualities. Like they've got the right, hey, that person's got the right mentality or they've got the right sort of um, aura about them. And they, you know, they, 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 people look up to them and things like that. And so people kind of have that perspective. And so think people have just been born with it. You, you can't teach these people those skills when actually, as we've, as we've talked just before about Sean, then they absolutely can just, just cause someone has the right um, behaviors, so to speak, or the right personality profile um, shouldn't just be the end of it. You, they also have to be taught these, these skills. Um, so, but, but I, I think, I think really aside from that, it's, it's always going to be secondary to thinking about what is the biggest audience that we can impact. And that's usually the sales team. You're always going to have more salespeople than you're going to have sales leadership. And so the focus is always going to be put on those people who are the ones that are um, ultimately responsible, you know, bringing the, bringing the deals in. Um, so yeah, lots of different reasons. Obviously, none of them I, I necessarily agree with. I, that that that's the stance, but I I think that's that's kind of where a lot of it comes from. Yeah, I always find that interesting. I like to ask people that question uh, because that's always been something that's puzzled me. You know, because mm -hmm. I agree with you. We do we we can't have a bigger impact on more people by taking the sales team through training. But then you take one bad manager, as I'm sure you've experienced, and they can ruin a whole team. And so all those skills and they can totally demotivate whole team if they're not if they're not right. careful uh when we talk about teams here let's shift gears a little bit back to the sales team um so 
a big challenge right now is keeping sales teams motivated, keeping them engaged. You know, there's lots of buzzwords we talk about like culture and, and all this kind of stuff. And there's different definitions of what culture is. Is it, you know, ping pong tables and free snacks? Uh, or is it something deeper than that? So my question for you is this, Rich, is how, how are you keeping your sales team engaged and motivated right now? Well, it's interesting because you reference, you know, ping pong tables and free lunches. And the reality is that's for most companies is pretty irrelevant now with most salespeople working from home. <laughs> like They don't have access to those office uh, freebies, so to speak. Um, but the reality is, is that a lot of people aren't motivated by those things. I think sometimes people who are new into the, the world of, you know, working for flashy tech companies and stuff, they see those things and that is motivating for them. But I think once you've worked around it for a while, you realize that, hey, you know, all that stuff is pretty meaningless. Um, you know, you, 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 you play far less games of table tennis than you ever thought you would or, you're, you know, all those, all those things. Um, yeah. And I think when it comes down to motivation, um, one thing that I've learned, <laughs> so one thing I do is I, I try and do this. Every week I have a, a work in Google document that I basically created Rich's sales leadership lessons. And I try to add one lesson to that document every week. Um, some, some weeks I, I forget, but you know, I try and I try and do it. And one of the things I've got on, on that document, Sean is, is around, um, I think the title is never underestimate how much people like recognition and that recognition isn't in the form of commission or money. That recognition can just be in the form of, positive shout out to the rest of the team could be on slack hey guys just listen to this call and thought you know sarah did an amazing job and i just want to share the one minute clip from this call that i think just stood mm. out and i that can sometimes just have this almost invaluable um uh feeling for the salesperson that that's been called out and shared publicly um and that can be the thing that motivates them, that that just recognition, you know, they don't have to have won anything. They just simply get a shout out with maybe other people in the team or the company to hear from. Um, and I think a lot of people forget that. I certainly can forget that from time to time when you're caught up in the just the, you know, the the sort of the, the craziness of just the, the day job where you feel like sometimes as a sales leader, you don't have a minute to breathe in a day or you're just on Zoom calls from, you know, eight and eight in the morning or six in the evening but sometimes just having the ability to just give that shout out or just do a little private message to that person and just you know commend them on something that they've done or a change that they've made recently or a positive result they've had i found can be that very simple but very very powerful thing that that can be motivating yeah and it doesn't cost us anything right and uh but the value of it is is hard to measure how big of an impact it can have for that person and the other people around them as well Hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned the techie stuff, and I know a Lego is tech, and and so I have to ask you, what do you see? What role do you see technology playing in the future of sales leadership? And how do you stay up to date with the latest developments in the space? You know, if you want to talk about AI or what have you. Yeah. This applies to sales leadership. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think you know all the the, the noise about. Um, chat gpt out there around how it can help salespeople become more productive how it can help sellers write you know better emails in less time and 
Um, what's interesting is that there's not a lot of talk in there about how it can help um, sales leaders. Again, it's, it's kind of like, I think there's still um, to be determined. I, I do think what it will definitely play into is looking at, um, I think I think there's a big play for AI. And I know that there's technology out there that's kind of sort of doing this already, but this thing is a long way to go in predictability, predictability in you know, deals from a forecasting perspective, predictability on um, understanding more about uh, call sentiment and whether that, you know, sellers had a call giving indications to how likely that is to progress or to be a deal. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity there to just give more intelligence and insight around what are the opportunities and the prospects and the types of deals that we should be spending more or less time on. Um, as far as like me staying and uh, keeping abreast of it, you know, there's obviously as someone who is fairly well connected to a lot of, uh, a lot of companies in the sales tech space as someone who sells sales technology to sales teams and sales leadership leaders. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very unusual for me to not to be, um, uh, not be aware of some type of technology that exists on the market or one that's kind of coming through and, you know, combine that with a lot of the sales conferences that I, I attend to, you know, we attend because we sponsor a lot of, of these events. And uh, so you, you naturally pick up a lot of insight that way too. So yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting to see where, where it will go and uh, what's next and how it will help uh, sales leadership. Do you have a favorite tool that you're using right now? That's kind of something that you felt is new to the scene, you know, imagine rewind, the clock a few years ago when people were just starting to listening to the calls and recording the calls yeah. and call intelligence. Is there anything like that that you're using or looking at? That's I mean, new? we've got our own, yeah, we've got our own, our own platform, uh, of course, but I'll, I'll not, um, I'll, 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 <laughs> you can, I'll you can promote a Lego if you want well, to. <laughs> I'll choose one that isn't, isn't our own platform. Um, in fact, I will, but I think it's more like the, the, the category is is super interesting because I think this is where sales is going. Uh, you know, um, it's the whole concept of digital sales rooms, and you know, Allego has its own digital sales rooms product. Um, but I think the whole premise of digital sales rooms is potentially transformative for sales teams, where it's getting harder and harder to um, engage busy buyers. It's getting harder and harder to stand out from the crowd. And we are switching from this very sales-focused um, approach to selling to more of a buyer-centric. And I think digital sales rooms are a great way, despite their name, it suggests that they're very uh, much in the favor of the, of the seller, is they provide so much value for the buyer where they can have highly personalized experiences to go in and consume content that they feel is relevant at their own pace, um, I, I think is a... Uh, it's going to, you know, a couple of years time, everybody's going to be using these, but the early adopters are the ones that are ahead of the crowd at the minute. And I just find them a really interesting and um, proposition. Uh, but I also see the power of when we use them as my sales team, the type of intelligence that you get as a seller as to what your buyer's interested in and also who on the buyer is also interested that you haven't yet spoken to. So it's, um, right. yeah, that's, that's uh, one tool that I'm really interested in right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I used I've used a digital sales room before and I just loved it because I knew I remember back when I was being sold to and 
and it was a longer sales cycle. You have more people involved, more people want yes. to have influence yeah. on the sale. And it's so a lot of like forwarding emails and me contacting the salesperson. Hey, can you resend that PDF over this yes. white paper? But then the sales room, man, everybody just goes to the sales room and it's all there. And then the seller can track the activity where people, yeah. to your point, are focusing their attention, their energy. And then you know, okay, this is something that's important to them. Um, and you see new players come in there that you didn't even know that person was in the organization right. and you start going, well, why is this person wanting to look in the sales room? Maybe I need to bring them into the conversation. So I'm with you. I think they're great. Um, definitely next generation. The next generation of salespeople are going to be using these. I think it'll be table stakes eventually. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit in the final minutes we have here. I want to talk about sales coaching and mentoring. How do you... How are you helping your team members improve their skills and performance beyond just, hey, we went to a training session, right? Once a year, or every six months. But the day-to-day, -day, the sales coaching and mentoring, what does that look like for your team? Yeah. Um, it, you know, they can, coaching and form different, uh, there's different bands of coaching. Um, and, uh, you know, it could be, I break it down into different buckets. So you could have one bucket, which is pre-call coaching, right? Hey, you've got a call coming up in your calendar at 3 p.m. this afternoon. Let's spend 20 minutes just you know working on this preparation. Let's look at who we're talking to. How did this meeting come about? Let's look at the company. What kind of questions do you think they could ask you? What are some of the risks that potentially could come up in this deal? You know, and... So, so much of that doesn't happen today, Sean. I'm not sure if that's what you see, but a lot of people just kind of go into calls and don't actually do that preparation. Don't kind of get, they don't get coached themselves. They don't get coached on how best to prepare for those meetings. Um, and the post, the post, the post call is um, very similar, albeit now, you know, we, we use a lot, of, we use our own product, of course, to do, you know, reviewing the calls. Okay, let's, let's listen back to the call. And let's break down what went well, what didn't. Let's, let's strategize over things that, you know, you could do next. Um, but as well as that, I'm, I'm a big, uh, a big fan of practice, right? Again, something that a lot of companies don't do. Um, everything that they coach on is just kind of what actually happened. They don't actually help prepare their reps. And, um, and I think part of the reason that they don't practice is because they, um, they don't practice properly. They don't have like a structure and a format to do in role play. They they role play, and the, the, they they don't um, role play properly with their reps. Um, and uh, instead, what they should be doing is rather than trying to role play an entire, you know, thirty minute discovery call, role play the first minute of the call, and practice that two or three times, or you know, role play a op specific objection that came up in the call, and just practice that. Or, or role play things that have actually happened on real calls to make them more realistic. Hey, we're going to role play this call that I heard last week from one of your peers where the prospect said X. I just want to see how you would deal with it. And so mm. um, they make it more authentic that way versus these just made up scenarios and they say things that a prospect would never actually say on a call. Um, so, and then you've got a whole thing around like deal coaching and, and strategizing on the deal. Um, but all, all of those things really, you know, there's, a, there's lots of facets to coaching, but all those all those things are equally important, uh, and you have to be doing them all to be uh, to be as effective as possible when you're coaching reps. 
Yeah, a lot of times I see a big miss is where we don't have the postmortem yeah. call, right? We lost the deal. Why did we lose it? Other than just me and you going, why did we lose that? Oh, they, they you know, they got a better price from the competitor. Oh, okay. Right. And then that's it. But like really going through the life of the deal, the history of the deal and saying, where did we yeah. mess up? Where did we miss the opportunities to provide value? Um, and doing that exercise can be so powerful because we can learn. I mean, a lot of times we can learn a lot more from our losses than we can our wins. It's really interesting. What we have at the culture at Lego here is we, um, whenever we win a deal or lose a deal, um, we get the sellers to record win or loss reports that get shared across the business. Um, mm -hmm. And always on those reports is like in the wins, like what are the top three reasons we, we feel we won the deal? And on the losses, what, what are the three reasons that we felt we lost the deal? And it's designed for the seller to you know, be self-critical. It's not just to say, oh, we were the more expensive product. It's to say, what did what could we have done differently in the deal? Um, and what's interesting is those videos that the sellers record, they go across the business. Every executive looks at them. Everybody learns from those. In fact, they become the most valuable onboarding resources for a new sales hire to just to, to watch five-minute clips yeah. of deals that we've won or deals that we've lost. And you can learn everything from the reasons prospects buy, the reasons that prospects that the red flags in deals, the reasons we lose against the competition, um, and they, they become very very powerful learning resources um, for the for the for future sellers coming in. Yeah, super powerful. I love the idea of using it for onboarding too. That's a great idea. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh, I ask this of everybody: If you were dropped on a uh, deserted sales island. <laughs> as a sales leader, okay, <laughs> and uh, you could only take one sales leadership skill with you to survive. What would it be? What would you choose? Um, mm, um, for me, I think it comes down to um initiative. I I, I think uh, I think you have to use your initiative every single day as a sales leader. You have to sometimes make quick decisions and calls that sometimes you don't know if they're the right or the wrong one, but your experience and your, um, your initiative tells you that that's the right, the right thing to be doing. And it's sometimes the decisions that nobody else wants to make. And sometimes, mm. sometimes decisions can, Sometimes small decisions, I see this in my own company, can, you know, people debate them for an hour when sometimes it's quicker and easier just to make a decision, you know, trust your instinct, so to speak. And uh, because in the grand scheme of things, what's the worst that can happen? It's actually uh, the cost of inaction is 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 going to be worse than the, the, the cost of trying out and failing fast. And mm -hmm. I think if I was in a desert island where every day you're probably having to use your initiative and have to make <laughs> decisions that you don't know the right ones sometimes, but you feel like they are. Um, and, uh, you, but you want to learn from them if they're not quickly, because that's going to help you survive longer. Then that's definitely the, the one that I would uh, take with me is uh, yeah. Initiative. Okay. Great answer. It's always interesting to hear what people say. Sometimes they say that they say they want to take a tool with them. Sometimes they say, you know, initiative. <laughs> sometimes they say, you know, who knows listening or, you know, who knows what I'm going to hear. So yeah. I always like to ask that question. Well, Rich, really enjoyed our conversation today and appreciate you being here. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for visiting The Frontline, a podcast dedicated to exploring the world of sales leadership. 
We invite you to continue the conversation with us on LinkedIn and share your thoughts and experiences as a sales leader. Uh, Rich, if people want to connect with you, where is it on LinkedIn? Is there something you'd like to promote while you're here? Uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah, you can just find me if uh, Richard Smith, Allegro, you'll you'll find me there. Um, you know, the only thing I'll, I'll promote, uh, just because we, we just recently launched it, is uh, the thing I'm referenced at the start is uh, the Problem Prospecting Online Program, which is uh, broken into three courses. The, 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 the course is split across helping people redefine their message and their pitch to, to prospects to make them sound more compelling through a bit of a cold calling crash course and a, a cold email and crash course. Um, and uh, yeah, we've had some really positive feedback from it. It was a kind of a, an evolution from the, the book that we wrote initially. And uh, yeah, check it out if you want to um, if you want to kind of sharpen up some of your um, prospecting skills. Okay, awesome. We will check that out for sure. And for those listening, don't forget to tune in to our next episode where we'll continue to explore the front lines of sales leadership. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Sean and we'll see you on the front line. Are you ready to take your sales team to the next level? Our team of world-class coaches can help, whether it be sales process, hiring rockstar sellers, or simply building your sales and sales leadership skills. The Sales Collective has you covered. Visit us today at thesalescollective.com.